Katie Pickler, and with me today is my co-host. He's automatic. He's systematic. Hydromatic. Why it's Corwin's it? Breeze lightning. Start your engines, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a fun episode ahead. We're talking about cars. There's the opening bell. So. As is the case with so many of our podcast topics, we really thought that this was going to be a simple, short, sweet episode about car loans. We were just going to knock it out real quick. And then we started researching it and started trying to figure out what we wanted to actually tell y'all about. And we realized that this is a, has a, it's a lot more stuff than we really initially thought. So we're breaking it into two episodes. This first episode, we're going to talk about why are you getting a car? Do you really need a car? What are you going to be using it for? Who's going to be driving it? How long are you going to keep it? We're going to go through the entire decision-making process of actually choosing to get a car. You know, how do you decide whether you actually need one? We're going to go through all of those steps in this episode. And then ultimately in the next episode, we will talk about debt because we're still in our debt series. We're going to talk about the actual car loan. So... Sounds exciting. <laughs> you sound excited, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this one, it seems kind of like an obvious, uh, a gimme, really. What are we going to talk about if we're going to do a top five today? Well, I mean, of course, we're going to talk about our dream cars. But really, okay, dream cars are out there. Those super expensive that the elites of the elites have. Let's make it fun. Okay. Let's talk about those cars that are in those TV shows, those movies, those cars that we're watching the movie and we're mesmerized. Like, yeah, I can see myself driving that car. Okay, so our top five this week is... Top five best cars in pop culture. Yes. Katie, it's your turn. Okay. Okay, going in reverse order. I mean, this was a tough one. Oh, I mean, listen, can I just say, I thought this was going to be easy. I, I was kind of like, well, this seems kind of like a lame topic. There are hundreds of cars that I want to have in my list, and narrowing it down to five is ridiculously hard. Oh, it's impossible. Yeah, because you could do a whole genre of, like, your fast cars, your fun cars, your whatever it may be car. But Jump in. Let's exactly. Just, Let's both go. Both feet. Let's go. Okay. Uh, my number five is uh, going to be Breathless Mahoney. That's the name of the car, and it is from Dick Tracy. This was Madonna's car. It's a 1936 Auburn Boattail Speedster. It's just, I mean, that movie in itself was so fun with all the bright colors and all of that. And this car just was amazing. Of course, Madonna was, it fit her perfectly. I can't argue. (laughs) Okay, my number four would be Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers. Their 1974 Dodge Monaco with the humongous, what was it, the big speaker thing on top of it? I mean, come on, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, it was a, it was a great car. It was, I mean, it was it was really honestly, it looked like a pile of garbage, but it was a great car for that movie. It's, and it's for iconic. What they, yeah, you it's saw awesome. that and instantly you got the theme song playing in your head. You're putting on your sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, perfect. All right, number three. Um, so this you know used to be my number one, but now it's bumped down. Uh, Eleanor. 1967 Mustang Shelby what? GT500. You've been talking about Eleanor for like a week now. Fast in the, or not Fast and the Fury, sorry. Gone in 60 seconds. I, I know what it's from, and it's you've you have repeatedly said that it was the car. I, well, that's that would be the car that I would love to have and own and drive, and I would love it. Of course, I'd have to hire a mechanic to be with me at all times when it would break. But well, yeah, whatever. Eleanor was a little testy, wasn't she? Yes, Eleanor was, but mm-hmm. just oh, so beautiful. Okay, okay, number two, 
Uh, this is from the movie Suicide Squads. Mm-hmm. It is actually the Joker's car. <laughs> it is called the Vador. 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 And it is a custom car. It's not anything that you can go and look at. Although after looking at articles, people have commissioned to have this made. <laughs> but it's just, it's, I say it's pink. The articles say that it's purple. It is purple. Eh, it's okay, it's listen, one of those shades. I'll go get one of my Batman comics and I'll pull it out and I'll show you a picture of the Joker in his classic Joker, um, his j- classic Joker tails coat. Okay. Okay. And it's purple. And the coat is purple. Everybody says it's purple. Everybody agrees it's purple. You tear a little piece of that coat off. Not that I would ever tear a piece out of one of my comic books. You hold it up next to that car. It's the same shade. Well, in this it's movie, Joker Harley purple. Quinn, you know, was in the car. So I liked it better because it looked like it was her perfect car, not the Joker's. Okay. <laughs> okay. My my top one, my favorite uh, would have to be from a really sweet little old show called The Munsters. Ooh, wow. Yes, it's The Munsters Coach. I mean, I how awesome that. is that? I do love that car. They paid $200 to have this car built. <laughs> yes, it was actually made from three Model T bodies, and it was 18 feet long, but it had a V8 in it. Oh, listen, you, yeah, I'm not, you're not getting any argument from me. I love The Munsters car. I just can't believe that Eleanor fell down two spots. Two spots. You're a fickle, fickle car lover. Oh, well, you know, that's why I hadn't bought any. I haven't made the investment yet because I have not made the firm decision. But that's my five. I want to hear yours. Well, here comes my five, Katie. Ready? Number five. We're going with the 1976 Ford Gran Torino driven by Starsky and Hutch. I don't know why, probably because of my age, but this car is stuck in my head forever because the show was on when I was a kid and I loved that car. I just loved it and I love it to this day. Uh, Number four, I'm going to go with Christine. It was a 1958 Plymouth Fury and I loved the Stephen King book, Christine. I also loved the movie, Christine, and everything about that car is forever (laughs) just... I'm going to say something highly controversial right now. Uh-oh. If you gave me the choice between a 57 Chevy and a 58 Plymouth Fury, I would take the 58 Plymouth Fury. Why? Because it's a killing machine. That's right. Christine. <laughs> Check it out if you haven't seen it. Okay, number three. Oh, here's where we get into basically a tie for number one. And so I really just, you know... Off the top of my head, depending on my mood, is when these where these are going to land. But today... Oh, see, you're allowed to have by your mood, but I can't. Well, I mean, <laughs> nobody's going to argue with any of these being the baddest cars ever, basically. So... Okay, okay. You Continue. Know. Today, uh, number three is Kit from Knight Rider. It is... Uh, I mean, the car talks... The car has a fantastic computer. It could drive itself. It could do this all back in the 80s. It was bulletproof. I mean, it was basically the baddest car ever. So uh, the Night Industries 2000 from Knight Rider. It was, if you were wondering, it was actually a 1984 Pontiac Trans Am. Uh, But, you know, the the important thing, it was was kit. Uh, So that's my number three. Number two. Oh, man. See, it's still hard. Number two is the Tumblr. Number two is the Tumblr. Oh, I almost had that on mine. Yeah, it's Love from it. Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. I, I will, I will accept no arguments on this. It's, uh, it's just cool. And it's like a souped-up Lamborghini. Yeah, well, it's like a, a Lamborghinized tank, is what it is. <laughs> yeah. 
And yes, that is a new word. You can put it in the book. <laughs> and then finally, number one. Today, number one is going to the DeLorean. Do I really need to say more? I will. I'll say more. The DeLorean <laughs> is from Back to the Future. It was a 1981 DeLorean DMC-12 it's iconic. Everybody knows what you're talking about when you're talking about the DeLorean. Mm -hmm. And the reason that it's going in my number one spot is because it's also a time machine. And man, do I want to travel through time. Huge history buff. Want to go back and check out a whole bunch of things that have happened in the past and maybe change a few things. So that's my top five. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I know, I, I didn't know leading into this, but I know now that there are hundreds of cars that could have made it into our lists. And, oh, absolutely. You know, so we, we obviously couldn't list them all. There's some, there are some big honorable mentions that we should probably throw out there just so we don't get a lot of hate mail. I know when you're talking about the one that could, you know, t be a part of you and was, I guess, Kit, I was thinking of Bumblebee the whole time. Like, oh, <laughs> Bumblebee should have been on there. It can transform. Well, yeah, but which Bumblebee? Are you talking like comic book Bumblebee, Bumblebee the movie Bumblebee, or Transformers Bumblebee? Because you got the you got the the Volkswagen Beagle Beetle Bumblebee, or you got the uh, the Camaro. Which oh, is the it? Camaro, of course. Well, see, I would take either one of them. Which brings us to another Beetle, the Love Bug. Oh yeah, yeah. So they're, Herbie. They're, yeah, some some people would be yelling at us if we left Herbie out. Uh, there's I mentioned one Trans Am with the with the uh, with Kit. There's also the Trans Am, the classic Trans Am from Smokey and the Bandit. I mean... You got Grease Lightning. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I can't even believe it. We even threw out some Grease Lightning in the opening. Yep. And then generally, I mean, there's so many great cars out there. But okay, let, let's, let's talk about cars. Let's talk about car debt. Want to put up front that we're going to be talking about looking at cars and looking at what you want to buy and kind of all the different elements of it. But know that this is going to be for more your your main transportation. This is not going to be about those that are ultimate car collectors and wanting to have, you know, 10, 12 cars that are all these exotic things. That's a horse of a different color. That's a whole nother podcast where we talk about collectibles yeah, and we're not the doing, investment of that. We're not doing cars as an investment. We're not doing cars as collectible. We're doing cars as an expense, cars as a living expense, cars as a necessity in this episode. And more than that, this is part of our debt series. So we're doing not just cars, but we're doing car loans. We're, we're doing how are you going to pay for this? Mm -hmm. And we want to cover that as well, for sure. Yeah. So the first thing we got to talk about is transportation as a whole. Depending on where you live. And, do you need a car? Yeah. Do you need a car? What are your options? Are you in a city where it's a lot of public transportation? Is it something that you have one car and you share within a family? Uh, you know, right now, the big thing is Uber and Lyft and, mm -hmm. you know, ride share programs. Of course, you know, then we've got crazy times right now with pandemics that make it where those are public transportation and sharing are not the best option and you want your own car. Ride sharing can be a little scary. Buses and subways can be even scarier. I'm yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. But it's so think about it of that of before you even get to the point of, Yes, of course, we all want to drive a DeLorean or an Eleanor or whatever it is, but you got to do your research before you even step foot in that dealership, and you got to figure out what is a car? What does that mean? Is it something that really gets your family to where they need to go? Is it what you need for your job? Is it holding your precious cargo of your family? Um, you know, what is the value of this car to you? Yeah, I mean, and not only that, but... There's there's also 
there are things that you have to consider based on what your what your current life is like, mm-hmm. where you live and so forth, that will affect the cost of the car. Because you when you consider the cost of the car, you don't just consider how much does the car cost me? Like what is the sticker price of the yeah. car? But you're considering you have to take into consideration everything else that goes with owning a car. One of the things that you have to consider is I live in New York. I have access daily to a subway. I really, really want a car, but I don't need one to get to work and I don't really need one to be a productive human being. So Mm -hmm. if I'm getting a car, it's because I'm traveling. Maybe I work in New York, but I live out in the suburbs or out in Connecticut or out in New Jersey or something like that. And I want to drive in every day. Even then, you still might be able to get a train. How much is parking going to cost you? Oh, yeah. Parking alone in some places are just crazy. And if you've paid this sticker price for a car, $50,000, $60,000 for it, but then you're having to pay $1,000 a month in parking just for a car to sit. Yeah, so you I mean, can... I saw something that was like 95% of the time your car is sitting mm. parked. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, it doesn't... For me, at, at, my, at, at my personal income level, if I were living in a place like New York City... I would sell every car that I own currently and just be commuting to work by foot or by subway. I would not own a car. I don't need to pay for parking. I don't need to, well, honestly, I don't need to drive in New York City if I'm being completely honest. (laughs) Well, but it's, so it's across the board with a lot of these topics we talk about. It's not just taking the singular thing of I want a car or whatever it is you want to do. You have to look at your whole picture. Yeah. And so I think a lot of times we hear the joke of, the bachelor that's driving a little two-seater car and mm-hmm. then he gets a family and has to get rid of the two-seater car. Nine months. Do you remember that movie? Yeah. With Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Yeah, he had the Porsche and he had to... He had to get rid of it. At the end, he got he got rid of it and got a, like a Ford Explorer, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you hear that a lot because your life changes and you've got to adapt to what you need. That's what we want to break down is figuring out that it is not just the sticker price. It is... It is your safety. It is your transportation to get you to and from a job. It's to go visit loved ones. So it's more than just the value of how much you're actually paying. But it's also the flip side. If you're paying for a cheap car and it keeps breaking, it's not reliable. That ends up costing you more money. Mm. Or at what cost are you willing to, or or lack of cost for a car, but you're going to put your family in something that's not reliable. And then that's the risk right there. Yeah, absolutely. So safety is definitely an issue. You've also got, you kind of mentioned the whole cheap car angle, but also even with an expensive, you know, really, really great car, you're still paying for regular maintenance for that car. No matter what kind of car you get, you're going to be paying for maintenance for that car. I mean, uh, Court knows for sure, and our invisible man that you never see, Cam, um, knows this for sure, that I, I hate getting gas. I absolutely hate it. I don't know why in 2020 we have not figured out some way that I can just push a button in my car and it automatically refills with gas. I think we're close. I mean, <laughs> but, so that's something to consider. It may still it, have to drive itself to a station, but I'm pretty sure we're almost there. Yeah. So yeah. that's something, just the simplest of it is you've got to consider when you're purchasing a car, it is the gas, it is those oil changes, it's the tune-ups, the tires, what if something goes wrong? The insurance on it. Yeah, let's take you back to our budgeting episodes early on in this podcast. When we talk about all of these things, okay, this is a good point in this podcast to point out. We are approaching this as though the car is not an investment. 
It is an expense. It's Yes, it and is so, a living expense. But the expense is not just the vehicle itself. Mm-mm. Even if you pay for the vehicle up front, you still have, even if you pay for the entire price of the vehicle up front, you still have other costs that you have to consider. Uh, and m- if we're being honest, no, not a lot of people can't pay for the entire vehicle up front. So, but even if you could, you still have gas, you still have insurance, you still have all of these other costs that are going to be monthly costs that you have to budget for. And insurance and gas and maintenance are those things that are going to go into your consideration. So if you do finance it, Mm -hmm. if you can't pay for the entire thing up front, then you can't just think to yourself, okay, I'm, I need a car. I've never had a car before. I want to, I can pay, I have $500 a month in my budget that I can pay towards something. So I'll get a car with a car note of $500 a month. No, you can't do that because just the car note is mm-hmm. $500 a month. Then you have nothing left to pay for gas, insurance, maintenance, all of those other things. So you've got to take everything into consideration before you buy the car. Yep. So there's some questions that we were thinking of before you even get to the point of actually purchasing the car, and we're going to kind of go over them across this entire podcast. So the first one is, what is the purpose of this car? You've, you've decided right now you need a car. So what is the purpose of it? Is it a business vehicle that you're in a manual labor position, so you need a truck and you're going to be lugging product all the time or making deliveries, so it's going to be on the road a lot? Or is it a family car? So that that in itself, it's make that decision right there because that determines a lot. And if it's a business car, then you know there's a whole other part of that with making sure it's lined with your business and making sure you're taking advantage of all the opportunities out there. If you're a business executive, you may need a nice sedan that you can drive people to a business dinner in. If you're uh, if you're using this mo- mainly for family, then you may just need a big car that you can carry around a lot of people in. It's probably going to need to be rugged. You, you're going to be doing, you know, goodness knows what. Uh, obviously, you know, you may need a pickup truck if you work a farm and you need, yeah. all, you know. It, it, I, I think about FedEx pilots all the time when I see this because they're, so in Memphis, we have a lot of FedEx pilots here and there are notorious for they have crash pads where if they don't live in Memphis and they've got a place they stay. But in addition to that, they have kind of their airport cars. So they may have a nice suburban or a nice little sports car or whatever it may be at home. But the vehicle that they actually drive to the airport and leave for however, however long they're days. gone, yeah. how many days, it's a junker. Just it in is, case. Yeah, just in case something happens. And because there's no point of them driving their nice new Mercedes or whatever it may be to the airport to sit. They'd rather have that, you know, real cheap little car that has an engine, can get them to and from, and that's all that matters because it's just them. So what is the purpose of the car that you are purchasing? When you are determining whether or not you want to buy a car and then how you're going to pay for the car, whether you're going to purchase it outright or lease it, one of the things that you have to consider is what is the purpose? Mm -hmm. And that, that could affect what the purpose of the car is and how long you plan on keeping it, that could affect how you're going to finance it, if you're going to finance it, are you going to purchase it, are you going to lease it? I mean, all of these things that we're going to go through. Yeah. And so the next part, so you're figuring out what the purpose is. Who is the driver? Is it a new kid that just got got their license? Mm -hmm. Is this your aging grandparent who 
doesn't need to have a big old car, but needs to have something safe and reliable. Identify who the driver is and what the whole longevity of this car is. I know a lot of families will switch down and they'll give their car to their kid that just got their license and then they'll get something new. So just look again at the whole picture of it and what this car, who's going to be driving? Who's behind the wheel? Yeah. You know, you may be purchasing a car that you expect to basically last through the life of your entire family. You know, every time I buy a car, I expect that it's going to be handed down generation after generation, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, that... My first car was a hand-me-down car that had been hand-me-downed. And, you know, so that's kind of my perspective on life. But if you're a person that you know after two years... Yeah, you get bored and trade it out. Yeah, you're going to want to trade that car out. Then is purchasing really the right choice for you? Or if you are going to purchase, is financing out for 60 months really the right choice for you? You, Yeah. All of this has to go into consideration. It all plays into it. And it's also the miles that you're going to put on within a year. Like, I know that I, in normal times, I'm driving all the time. I'm, you know, for instance, this past weekend, we had an event here at the office. I drove to Huntsville for a birthday party that lasted two hours, Mm -hmm. and then I drove back. That is craziness. That's a lot of miles. So I am someone who puts a lot of miles on my car, but when I go in to get a new car or, you know, figure out what I'm doing, I put that out there. Oh, I drive a lot, so we need to reference this. Because when we get into talking about buying versus leasing, the miles you put on the car matter. And also researching your cars and making sure you find the ones that can withstand that many miles on a Mm -hmm. car. Okay, just just as a side thing, um, if you were going to try and decide between buying and leasing and financing for three months, uh, sorry, three years versus financing for six years, if you really like to trade out cars every three years, then you might think to yourself, oh, I'm going to lease because I like to trade out cars every three years. But if you are trading out cars every three years and you use your car for business, and you're traveling 50,000 miles a year for business in that car, then a lease isn't necessarily the right thing for you because you're putting way too many miles on that leased car. So you might want to finance it, but you might want to finance it for a shorter term. Mm -hmm. You see how everything is sort of, it all depends. Court loves it when it all depends. Yeah, and so the other kind of components that you know we're going to go into with the rest of this podcast is making sure you... Figure out what features are important to you. If it has the third row, if it can store a lot, whatever it may be, but make sure you figure out what's important to what the purpose of this car is. And then ultimately, you've got to figure out what are the maintenance costs going to be? How much of those oil changes going to run you? Is it a high maintenance car? Can you handle that? And then it breaks down to, are you doing used versus new? Mm -hmm. So at the heart of it all is you got to do your research. And the car business... So I married into the car business. My, oh. uh, yeah, my father-in-law has been in the car. Actually, my father-in-law and then his father, and then the whole family, pretty much with them combined, have been in the business like sixty years. And then my husband actually got into the business a month after we got married. So I'm learning all about this crazy world of the car business that I didn't know before. And it used to be that you know people had one dealership in town. And they would get the actual paper books that were published of the consumer guides. And they would go in there and they'd rattle it off. And at that point, car dealerships had the advantage of there was only like one in town. So they could tell people, well, you know, this is what we've got. 
if you don't like our prices, then yeah, you can drive 50 miles to somewhere else and get one. Well, fast forward to where we are now, it is predominantly internet driven. And it's good and it's bad because there's almost too much information out there now. And that with everything, with every good, there's always going to be a bad. Um, Actually, my father-in-law made a comment and said, every car out there on the market, you will find at least one story where it says that the car drove itself into a swimming pool. (laughs) When that's not true, but you can find a story almost on every car that it did that. And so... I feel the stigma, and I I mean, I have to say this because it's my family now, but the stigma of the sleazy car salesman, I think, is kind of, for the most part, gone out the window. And these people are more trying to be a partner with someone. They're wanting to have retention. They're wanting to help these people out and help them with the whole story. Again, this is, you know, not everybody, but Mm -hmm. it's some of them. Um, Well, I okay, so, you know, spoiler alert for later in the episode, I think part of what she's saying right here is basically like, like everything else, finding a salesman, finding a salesman or a salesperson that you can trust is a big part of purchasing a car. Uh, having that trust relationship is a big part of purchasing a car. But we are in a time where there's so much resources out there, and you can look up a car, you could build it out um, without even having to talk to somebody. And then if oh, the, yeah. if the, I build cars all the time. It's one of my favorite hobbies. Oh, I go onto the, all of the websites and build all of yeah. the cars. But you can sit there and type in what's the average maintenance for this kind of car? What, what, what insurance would I be looking at for this? So it's at your fingertips. And so you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't get all this research before you even walk in the dealership. Or nowadays, you don't even have to actually walk in the dealership. You've sent a little... Um, internet lead out there and uh, most of the time dealerships now it's a real person that will respond to you and call you and just say hey let's talk about this car and I've even seen some deals done where I don't recommend this but if you really trust your person you could buy a car that's you know a state over from you and if it's a great car salesman they're going to bring it to you and take care of it for you so there's not that grueling process of having to sit at the dealership but I don't recommend that for everybody. It's you've got to have that right partner. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, let me see what what haven't we covered when we're talking about doing your research? Because you you know it's you, you've got to make sure that you understand the idea of what you need the car for, mm-hmm. what kind of car you're getting, what uh, what are the um, what, you can actually ask uh, if you're if you're going to a, a lot a, a, a new car lot and purchasing a car, you can ask the salesman, hey, uh, you know, how does this car depreciate? Yep. What is the value going to be when I drive it off the lot? What is it going to be? And if, if the salesman is worth his, his, his salt, he's going to know. He's going to be able to give you an answer. Um, yeah, because depreciating value is the biggest thing. And I think that's why a lot of people say, you know, you don't need to have debt on this because it's depreciating asset and all mm-hmm. of that. But we've had a di- little different opinion of it and making it a living expense because most people need that car. But I think it's something like within the first year, your car depreciates 20, 30%. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the next you know several years, it's going to keep dropping 15, 18%. And that's where people get upside down in their cars. Ooh, jargon violation. Katie, what does upside down mean? You're turned upside down. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> upside down in a car does not mean your car is literally flipped over. What it... In theory, it's meaning that you owe more for your car than what it's worth. 
That is in simplest terms. So you took out a loan. Yep. You've been making payments. You're not necessarily delinquent. Yeah. But if you were to go in and try and sell Trade your in, car, yeah. the actual value of your car now for resale mm-hmm. is lower than what you owe for the car. Yeah. And that loan. becomes a big issue when you get into the trading section. But okay. yeah. Um, I mean, there's we mentioned it before that there are certain people out there that say it's best to pay for a car full out. Mm-hmm. And having no car payments. But really, you do have more car payments coming. Except for when you when you take control of it and you have set up that you're taking out a loan or you're financing a car and you've got set payments, you're in the control position because you know what it's going to be. So in essence, when you pay it in full, then it's one of those you think, oh, okay, I don't have any car payments anymore. Well... You do because you're still paying your gas, you're still paying your maintenance, but you in theory could have a big car payment show up, you know, sprinkle down because a tire blows or a window cracks. So you just don't have control of when something major happens with that car. So how we're looking at it as it's a living expense, you build it into your budget because more than likely you're always going to need a car. And when you pay one off, eventually you're going to have to probably buy another one because cars have gotten so advanced, it's hard to keep them for an extremely long time. It's almost like an iPhone. It's yeah. just going to, it's going to, you're going to have to update it eventually because they, they, they just, they just keep getting, they, they're just outstretching technology. It's ridiculous. It's yeah. crazy. And that's when you look at the situations when you're dealing with a maintenance issue and, and they'll tell you like, okay, I could fix this, but it's almost cheaper for you to, just go ahead and trade this in for something for parts and get a new car. My Lanta. Okay, so let's let's recap just real quick. So make sure everybody's still on 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 the same on the same page. Do we need a car? Uh, that would be what is your job? Where do you live? You know, how much do you have to commute every day? If it's a block, you may not need to need a car. Um, and then if you do need a car, what kind of car are you going to get? That would be. Uh, used car, new car, what kind of car? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of those things have to to to, to be considered. Um, and then, how are you going to treat the car? Is it an investment? No, we don't recommend it as an investment uh, unless it's a collectible, which we're not covering in this episode. Uh, so we're really talking about cars as an expense, and it's 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 basically it's how much can you afford. Not just for the car, not just for the car up front. Are you going to pay for it up front? Or are you going to finance it? But also for the car maintenances, the, the the gas, the insurance, all of that stuff. Consider all of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so right now we're at that we're we're at that point in the in the talk. So you can sit there and look at it. There's something called the MSRP price, mm-hmm. and that is you've got your invoice price, which is what the actual dealers pay for the car Mm -hmm. and then the msrp is what the manufacturer is recommending they sell it for and so i think a lot of people go in and want to try and negotiate and get it down and there's some it's across the board some dealerships what you learn with car dealerships and all of this is they all kind of have their own governance they all do their own thing and they all have to follow general guidelines but every dealership's going to be different and Mm -hmm. that's where it's kind of finding those partners that can work with you across the board with any car you want um, but it's, I mean, you look at it this way, like Coca-Cola, we all pay the, you know, dollar out of the vending machine, dollar fifty out of the vending machine. Yeah. It, yeah. That's what you pay. But you know, Coke, it didn't cost Coke a dollar fifty to make that bottle of Coke. Right. 
So it, just look at it that way. Um, some dealers will give discounts, some don't, and that's where it's just doing your research and shopping around. Well, okay. So that brings us to a good, one of the things that we considered talking about is, you know, top 10 questions you should ask when you go into a dealership or top 10 questions you should ask if you're buying a used car. And we decided not to include a segment with those questions, but Katie just brought up a good question that you can ask if you're going into a dealership and looking at purchasing a new car, what are the dealer incentives? What sort of discounts are they offering? If you ask them those things, then they'll they'll let you know and it may it may make a difference because if they have a ton of one type of car in stock but not so many of another car, then you know, they may they may be really trying to sell this one particular car. It may not be the car that you're looking at. So that's a question to ask. Just what are the incentives? What what's out here that you're you're trying to sell? What are the bargains? What are the deals? Whatever it is. So something that a lot of I didn't know a lot about was the the trade in values and with dealerships. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we'll see people selling cars on like Facebook and Marketplace and all of that. And um, you know that's one way to do it. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of risk that you're going through for the buyer and the seller. So when you're actually going to a dealership and you're looking at trading in your vehicle. Um, in exchange for buying something, dealerships may not give you that, what the Kelly Blue Book, what it tells you the value of your car. Dealerships may not match that. And it's because they're taking on having to take this on and make sure it's clean and re- and advertise for it and sell it. So essentially, it's you're looking at getting your vehicle if you give it to a dealer. Yes, you may not get as much for it as you would have if you were selling it. But then if you're selling it, think about your time and your resources to sell it. So that's one of the things about trading in a car. Um, and it goes back to the upside down in your car. If say that uh, you owed $38,000 on a car that you originally took out a loan for 40 and you're wanting to buy a $50,000 car, they're gonna have to subtract that 38,000 you already owe. You're taxed on the difference plus fees and then that money is owed back at the end of it. It's a mess. So that's something that you need to research and figure it out. But at the end of the day, car salesmen, they want to make the deal. They want to work with you. And that's where it's you do your research as much as possible. And then you tell them what's going on. And at any point, you know, if you they tell you, oh, I want this for the car, you can walk away from me. Like, oh, no, I can get it better from somebody else. You've got that right. So buying versus leasing. We touched on it a little bit. Um, so leasing, you're renting it. It's paying the cost of the time that you have the car, and then they have to calculate in there with the miles. So, like, someone like me does not need to lease. I put way too many miles on a car. I drive um, a lot. I, <laughs> I, I've always, I've always heard that you shouldn't lease a car, but I think it's, it's not necessarily that you shouldn't lease a car. You just shouldn't lease a car if you have three children in college and are driving all over the country all of the time, because that, then there's so many miles. Well, and so leasing apparently used to, not a lot of people did it because it seemed like there was a lot of parameters around it. Mm. And now it's actually becoming a little bit more popular. Manufacturers are getting behind it and helping um, with the cost of it and really making it work out for those that like to trade their cars in every couple of years. It is perfect for them. Now, again, again, it's the whole picture of it of do you like to trade your cars in every couple of years? But if you are a terrible driver that goes off-roading and drives, you know, 50,000 miles in a year, 
you're not necessarily the candidate just because you like to trade your cars in every three years. Yeah. I, okay. So one thing that I heard one time was a stat uh, and it was from a, a secondary source. I can't, I can't cite the stat or anything like that. So I can't tell you where I heard it, but uh, I heard from someone that it was never more expensive to maintain an old car than it was to buy a new car. And I'm not sure if that's still true. Do you know? I have no idea. I, I, yeah, I, I think, have no I think idea. That it is, I think that it is way more common now mm-hmm. where it used to be always cheaper to maintain a car, yeah. even if it was just breaking down all the time. I think it's way more common now that there are these these ways that you can purchase a new car or lease a new car that, that sort of, you know, if you're spending, if you've got a car that is 15 years old and has 300,000 miles on it, and you're basically replacing parts yeah. every single month. It might behoove you to to well, actually, you know, tr- trade up to a new car. Yeah, and it's to- not reliable if you're constantly worrying it's going to break. Yeah. And the the car dealerships now they're attracted towards the leasing because there's a re- a loyalty rate. Like car dealerships now want retention. Mm-hmm. They want returning customers. They want to make people happy. So they've seen that like crazy like 65% of people they have a higher retention rate with those that have a short-term lease with them you know 36 month lease with them versus those that have purchased 72 months financing because at the end of that what's going on when you've had your car for 72 months more than likely you're starting to have to you know maybe something's going wrong maybe something's breaking so you're not exactly happy with Lexus as you were 72 months ago when you bought it or even, you know, 36 months ago. So that's where they're kind of changing things up a little bit. Because let's be honest, these cars are computers now. So let me just jump in there. You know, we're talking about questions that you could ask. One of the other interesting questions that I read online when I was researching this episode was in terms of a car that you bought new, you may not be happy with three years from now. Mm-hmm. One of the things that somebody recommended uh, online was ask the dealer if you if they have something like the car you're thinking about purchasing, but three years older that's on their lot. Oh, yeah. And ask to test drive that three-year-old version and mm-hmm. see how it drives. Now, you may not get a good car-to-car exact uh, comparison, but you know, it was an interesting thing that I had never considered. Was like, yeah. oh well, yeah, let me. Hey, do you have something three years old like this that I can drive and see how it drives? Because that'll give you an idea of whether you'll like it three down the ro- three years down the road or seventy two months down the road or whatever. Yeah, it's, I'm obviously it's not the car term, but like the shelf life of the car. Like, yeah. you know, how long is it going to last? And yeah. you know, what, what's the resale value? You know, that? there are going to be rattles. You know, there are going to be little little latches that don't latch anymore or oh, switches yeah. that don't work. So. Are they going to be? Are they going to be things that you can put up with? But are, good question. Is to the ask. heart of it? Is the transmission, the engine, all of that? Is that still going to be kicking? Is that good? Is that good? Can you put up with what's not good? Yeah. Okay. So, listen. We've got four steps in a in basically four step program. Yeah, it's the four <laughs> step program. We're basically we're talking when you're when you're talking about the fact that you're considering taking on debt to own a car. the The first question is going to be. What is the right car for me? And then there's also, do I have a trade? Do I, you know, what sort of add-ons do I want? And how am I going to pay for it? Well, I think we've, I think we've pretty much covered the first step at least. You know, do yeah. I need a car? <laughs> 
So we're going to cover the rest of it in our next episode. I, th- I feel like this is a pretty decent place to, to, to cut it off and say. Yeah, it sounds good. We're ready to wrap it up. Yeah, absolutely. So, Katie, why don't you go ahead and give everybody your bullseye for the day? Okay, my bullseye is definitely going to be, um, you know, look at your situation, figure out the purpose of this car, and really think hard about who's driving it, what is it going to be for, and get that understanding. Yes, we all want the dream car Ferrari, but be real with yourself, be real with what you can afford, and think about that and what it's going to be serving as part of your family. Yes. Okay. Bullseye. So my bullseye is going to be this. If there's one thing you take away from this episode, it is that what you need to consider about purchasing a car It starts long before, how am I going to pay for it? It starts with, what is this expense that we're talking about? If y'all have listened to us, you know that we are big budgeting fans. And part of your budget, regardless of what you do, unless you are just never leaving your house, part of your budget is always going to be transportation expense. So the only question, you're going to have that expense. It's going to be part of your budget. The only question is... How much is that going expense going to be? And this 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 entire conversation that we've just had is part of answering that question. Is your transportation expense the metro card in New York City, or is your transportation expense going to be the monthly payment on a car, the upkeep of the car, fuel, insurance, and so forth? You need you, you, that that's answer that question and put it in your budget. And then purchasing a car isn't oh, I'm buying a depreciating asset. It is, this is part of my budget. This is my transportation expense. I got to work. I got to feed the family. This is how I'm going to get there. Bullseye. Ooh, good one. Ladies and gentlemen, there's the closing bell. You have made it to the end of yet another Bullcast podcast. If you liked what you heard and you haven't subscribed already, then go to your favorite subscription service for podcasts and subscribe. If you'd like to find out more about me and Katie, you can find out a little bit about us on the Bullcast website. That's bullcastpodcast.com. If you want to look us up on Twitter, we also have our Twitter handle. That's at Bullcast Podcast. If you'd like to see some really, really fantastically flattering <laughs> pictures of me, no, not really. You can look us up on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at Bullcast Podcast. And finally, Katie and I work for a wealth advisory firm. The name of that firm is Pickler Wealth Advisors, and if you'd find out, like to find out a lot about Katie and me and our amazing team and our boss, you can look up that website at picklerwealthadvisors.com. Advisors with an O, not an E. Yes, indeed it is every time, <laughs> but I feel like I've given them enough to be going on with Katie. So for now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. Great Scott. Autobots, roll out. <laughs>